they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. My faithful bride is on retreat for four days. She's going to stay quiet. I bet next Friday she'll tell you all about it. Wow. Well, we're going to have an interesting show because we're going to be talking about pride and what the Bible has to say and the saints have to say about how to get rid of pride and to bring humility into your life. But before we do that, um, I wanted to just remind, you know, we're in the middle of Lent right now. It's the season of grace and conversion. Uh, Jesus himself suggests three pillars of Lent to us. We've heard this before. Fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. And that's right out of the Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 to 18. We ought to take these seriously since they concern our conversion and growth in holiness, which is the final goal of our lives. The liturgy tells us that Lent is a very important time for us. It is a time of grace. And that's Corinthians, second book of Corinthians, uh, chapter 6. Now is the fitting time to make real changes in our lives. Now is the time in which we experience most God's help for our conversion. Now is the time of grace. What's sanctifying grace? The life of God in us. Now, unfortunately, we may only poorly apply our Lenten observance, which may not be the best way of actually making lasting changes in our lives. It may not be sufficient to just stop eating candy or to pray a little bit more. These things, while good in themselves, may not really address our real issue. Therefore, our Lenten observance may have become rather stale. I don't know about you, that can happen easy. Here are some possibilities for a more beneficial Lenten observance. One would be fasting from the internet or the unnecessary use of our cell phone. Many of us spend a lot of time browsing the internet or using social media on their phone. Cell phones, as well as the internet, they're very useful tools. But as we all know, this easily gets out of hand. Time gets wasted, right? Tasks which have been done get delayed because of it. Lent would be a great time to change for the things that really need to be done, things that would be done more quickly, right? If we do less screen time, more fasting, we can verify that our prayer life will improve. We would also have more time for prayer. And another area of Lenten observance is almsgiving. It doesn't just have to be money. Your time, money may be the easiest way to accomplish it, but not necessarily the best. A very good way of almsgiving would be to give our time. We all know that time is very precious in its limits. It would be a good use of our time to help others and to make more time for each other. Sometimes we are rather tight-fisted when someone needs us. We have to realize that this is a unique chance to do good. Moreover, doing good actually makes us happy how? According to St. Paul. He says it's better to give than to receive. So those are just some thoughts about the uh, Lenten season. 
I, I wanted to read something from the gospel, but before I do that, uh, I have something that's unusual, and I was going to play this uh, later in the week, uh, for next week, but I thought, well, for the Bible with the Barbers, many of you know I have a great love for Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And so I took what they call AI, artificial intelligence, took Bishop Sheen's voice, and I had him read a letter that Bishop Strickland wrote to his brother priests and brother bishops. And the reason I did that is I think if Bishop Sheen was alive, he would love to read it, and he would affirm everything that Bishop Strickland had to say. So I want to play this little clip for you now, and I think you'll enjoy what he has to say. So, Mr. Engineer, let's get Fulton Sheen's voice with Bishop Strickland's content. My dear brother bishops, I am compelled to speak to all of my brother bishops around the world, including Pope Francis, Bishop of Rome. In many ways, I am the least among you, but I share with you the anointing as a successor of the apostles and the call to guard the deposit of faith, and I speak to you in this spirit. I beseech you, let us return to Christ in his way, and let us be bold like our predecessors from the first, second, and third centuries, many of whom followed the Lord to death, bearing heavy crosses in his name. Let us stand with our brothers, who in the 20th century were strong enough to speak against despotic rulers, even though they were a minority voice in their time. Let us, in the 21st century, be vigorous in knowing and proclaiming Jesus Christ as the light of the world and the Lord of truth. Let us proclaim with deep conviction the fullness of the message of Jesus Christ and resist any temptation to share only the portion of his truth that the world accepts in order to avoid the ire of a world that still hates him. Let us speak with full-throated support the inerrancy of sacred scripture and proclaim that it is truly God's word, revealed to us and imparted to us as a sacred treasure that leads us from darkness into light. Let us share the gloriously good news that Jesus Christ is the sacred word incarnate and that reverence for his word is reverence for his real and sacred presence among us, just as he promised. Let us call for a worldwide Eucharistic revival that proclaims with tidings of great joy that Jesus Christ is truly present, body and blood, soul and divinity, in the Holy Eucharist at every mass, in every tabernacle and at every altar of Eucharistic adoration. Let us teach our flocks that all the sacraments are Jesus Christ present and working among us, calling us to repentance, healing, and peace, and strengthening us with sanctifying grace so that we may reach out to the poor, the marginalized, and the despised to share his good news. Let us boldly adhere to our ancient faith that Jesus Christ is the only way, truth, and life sent to us by our Heavenly Father. Let us call the world to the one Lord, one faith, and one baptism which guides us through his one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church to eternal life with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Brothers, let us be strong and clear regarding all the teachings of our Catholic faith, which speak of the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. The Bride of Christ proclaims the truth that God has created us male and female. The church, the mystical body of Christ, 
proclaims the truth that marriage is a sacred bond between one man and one woman, committed for life and open to children, and that this model ordained by God will guide humanity until the end of time. Let us pledge never to leave those caught in sexual sin of any kind, to wander in the darkness of a sinful lifestyle. Let us be the church that welcomes all, but never abandons any to sin and the dark ways of the world. Let us open wide the doors of Christ's church and welcome all to the sacred path of grace and life, teaching that the sacrificial love that Christ models for us is the only real love. My brothers, may our calling to shepherd and feed the Lord's flock never fall prey to compromise with a world which attempts to diminish the force and vigor of the gospel and to render our faith irrelevant and empty. Christ has called us to be in the world, but not of the world. Let us resist the currents of our time which seek to create a world in our image and to eliminate God from his place at the center of creation. Let us resist the voices that too often come even from within the church herself, calling us to abandon the truth that Jesus Christ proclaimed and instead seek to twist, alter, and update this truth until it is unrecognizable and no longer rooted in reality. We must recognize that we stand at a precipice of devastation, the likes of which the world has never seen. Let us open our eyes to the evil forces that bring division and darkness, even as they claim to offer a new way for humanity. Let us have the audacity to say no to these trends that seek to erase God and to annihilate our God-given right to choose right from wrong in personal freedom and autonomy. Let us simply say no to the voices that whisper for the dethronement of God and seek to install a global state in his place. My brothers, all things are possible with God and his mercy is always focused on granting us new opportunities to turn from darkness to light. It is not too late, but the time is short for us to do our job. Let us together take up the mantle we received at our Episcopal consecration and proclaim, Jesus Christ in you. Let us be shepherds, Bishop Joseph E. Strickland, Emeritus of the Diocese of Tyler. Huh? Well, there you go. It's not perfect, but it sure sounds a little like Bishop Sheen, but I'm, I'm sure Bishop Sheen would uh, get along and go along with Bishop Strickland's comments. Uh, this was something I wanted to share with you because I think it's important that we pray for our shepherds. All right, and um, we're going to take a quick break. We come back, we'll get the gospel, and then we're going to talk about uh, humility and uh, what the Bible has to say about that topic and much, much more. Those who are calling me even right now, I'm getting phone calls about the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming up. If you haven't uh, got a ticket and you still want to get one, they're calling me right now. So go to vmpr.org. And get yourself a ticket for streaming rights where you can actually watch it anywhere in the world. And then it becomes part of you, a part of your set of recordings. So go to vmpr.org to sign up and get your registration online. We'll be back with more on the Terry, excuse me, on the Bible with the Barbers. Stay with us.
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back indeed. Terry Barber filling in for my faithful bride who's on retreat. And I mentioned we're going to be talking about the Bible and humility. What's the, the saints have to say about that and how to have humility in life? But before we do that, the gospel of the day is Matthew chapter 1, chapter 21, 33, 43, and 45 and 46. So let's read it. It's the 1st of March, 1st Friday. If you get a chance to get to a confession or adoration, that would be great because it's the first of the month. And tomorrow is first Saturday. Let's implement the Fatima message. All right, here's what the gospel says from Matthew 21. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. Okay, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard but a hedge, and put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, and another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first one, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants who come? They answered him, He will put these wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to the other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper time. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, this is really beautiful, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. When the chief priests and Pharisees hear his parables, they know that he was speaking about them. And although they were attempting to arrest him, they feared the crowds, for they regarded him as a prophet. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What really hit me on that gospel, and I think it would hit you also, we all have been given gifts. And many times we keep the gifts to ourselves. No, 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 I'm just going to use it for myself. If you've been given much, much is expected. You've heard that. And so I think we can do an examination of conscience with this gospel. For me, it did. Maybe am, am I utilizing my gifts for the honor and glory of God to the fullest? No. I think I can do a better job. I bet you you can do a better job. This is all about following Jesus Christ. We have to strive to be perfect. I'm not saying, I mean, think about what the, the book of Revelation says at the end of the book. Nothing but perfect and pure will enter the kingdom of heaven. How many of us die perfect? Very, yeah. 
Who? Who does? I don't know. That's what purgatory is about. But we can strive for this. So ask yourself again, those gifts that have been given to you, are you using them for the honor and glory of God? Or are you selfishly going, mine, mine? Well, that's the question. All right, let's shift gears into a little booklet I have called How to Be Somebody, Cultivating an Interior Garden. I want to first set the stage what the saints have said about the four types of pride. Remember the old statement, everybody heard it, pride goes before the fall. That's one of the big problems in our church and in our world right now. We think we're God. That's prideful. We're not. Here's what St. Bonaventure names two types of pride. One, spiritual pride, and worldly or temporal pride. He says, in spiritual pride, we credit ourselves for growing in holiness and in our success in evangelization, which is the touching of souls. In effect, we are robbing God and the credit due to him. The line we have to use is any good that we do comes from God and we thank him for it. Got that from Fulton Sheen. So when people tell me, oh, you're doing this, you're doing that, thank you, but it's all God. In effect, like he said, we're robbing God of his due credit. To avoid falling into spiritual pride, here's what we must refer all the success to God. Therefore, salvation history, God has chosen the weak to confront the proud. I use the line, God has chosen the weak to confront, yes, the, uh, the, the prideful. If God chooses us for a specific task, it is because we're weak. Did you hear that? <laughs> I love it. I'll never forget, folks, being on the radio before the advent of, of uh, YouTube. People never saw you. So they would listen to you <clears throat> across the country on the EWTN network. And I would go somewhere and they'd hear that voice of mine and they'd go, oh, my gosh. You can't be the guy on the radio I listen to with Jesse Romero, are you? Your voice sounds just like it. And I said, well, believe it or not, yes. And they'll tell me, I thought in my mind, I heard your voice, that you were a very young man and that you had to be like six foot five. And you're a bald-headed old man. <laughs> I laughed. And I said, yeah, you see, God uses the weak to confound the strong. So that's just how it works. He says, if God chooses us for a specific task, it's because we're weak. <clears throat> he doesn't get the best. This permits his glory to be visible in the work that we do. Boy, I'm exhibit A. Now, here's another great saint, St. Saint Alphonsus Liguori. He has a, he's a doctor of the Catholic Church, so listen up. <clears throat> he reminds us, if you possess great abilities, maybe God would not have chosen you for this work <laughs> because you would have taken pride in it and attribute doing it to yourself. It is God's way to choose humble people who don't take any credit for themselves. And by them, he wishes to do great things. Wow, I think of Brother Andre Bissette, St. Andre Bissette in Canada, up in Montreal. I think of something that he'd said, and this story tells it all. 
It was during Lent, like it is now. And in their community, the Holy Cross Fathers, they're all, like most of them, are educated uh, teachers in colleges. And what they did during meals is they would read some books while they're eating. And the abbot who's letting them do the different readings uh, on the Passion of Christ was because of Passion Week. And he said, wow, uh, I want to um, mention that um, your insights, I want to hear, Brother Andre, your insights into the Passion of Christ. And Brother Andre didn't have a book in his hands because they, you know, he's a very simple guy that would, you know, was the doorkeeper. He opened the door for the community and greeted people. Well, he looked at them and said, well, I can tell you that. And then he gave this great explanation about the passion of Christ. And the abbot says, well, Brother Andre, where in the world did you get those insights on the passion of Christ? And he sheepishly looked at the brothers there at the luncheon. He says, on my knees in front of a crucifix. That says it all. That really says it all. And that's the beauty of, uh, of, of my point as being that it's important that we are humble when it comes to spreading the faith. Now, Saint Alphon- now this, that was St. Alphonsus. Now, while there are only two types of spiritual pride, are you ready for this, folks? There are four types of worldly pride. The first is the pride of authority or arrogance. Have you met anybody like that? Holy mackerel. Symptoms of this type of pride include repeated use of the words I, me, mine. <laughs> A person in the grip of this type of pride refuses to seek advice. He takes pleasure in putting people down or criticizing people. I've heard of that. Yeah, I've met many people like that. Although sharp in the finding faults of others, he must have the last word. He pushes ahead to be first in line and finds ways to call attention to himself. This person will argue in defense of an issue even when he knows that he is wrong. He becomes irritable when his ideas are opposed. Check this out from St. Peter. He urges us this, and all of you practice humility (coughs) towards one another. For God resists the proud. So St. Peter said, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hands of God, that he may exalt you in times of visitation. Now, you ready for the second type of pride? Timidity. What? This is fake humility, folks. A person with this pride hides his weakness by being shy. He is easily embarrassed, exaggerates weaknesses, and blushes easily. He's also shy about doing things in public. It is important to understand that true humility should not be confused with timidity. Mediocrity, lack of incentive, or self-loathing, self-hatred, 
And true humility does not deny one's gift, talent, or abilities that God has given to us. It means we do not claim that these gifts are our own, but as talents given by God for a divine purpose. Well said. We all know people who have had a false notion of humility. These people claim humility as an excuse to sit back and do nothing. They insist, oh, I'm so weak, I'm so sinful, I'm so little, what can I do? At other times, they will lament, I will never amount to anything, I'm just good for nothing. Then there is the excuse, I'd like to do more, but I'm so unworthy, I just can't. And my good friend, Father Bill Casey, he used to say this, uh, bubble brains, wrong-headed notions of what it means to serve God in humility. Key point? The virtue of humility and trust in God go hand in hand. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about the virtue of humility, the Bible, and the saints. And I hope it helps you and me get closer to Jesus Christ because that's why we do these shows. No other reason. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show. God bless you. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. We're talking about humility. What a great topic. You know, I remember Bishop Sheen used to always say, any good that I do comes from God, and I thank him for it. And that's really the key but we have some great saints. We have St. Paul. I mean, as I said, humility goes hand in hand. Uh, there was a devout Monsignor. He forgot the words of Jesus. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. He also should have recalled the words of many saints as St. Paul, who writes, I willingly boast of my weakness. This is right out of the Bible that the power of Christ may rest in me. Well, that's a powerful verse. Or, God plus one is an army. Have you heard that one? God plus me is an army. Well, we can relate to that in, in the culture today. And I love St. Teresa of Avila. She would have told him, uh, St. Louis de Montfort would have counseled him, never be afraid to accomplish great things for Christ. So yes, we are weak and we're sinful souls. That's all of us. We are all little in the sight of Almighty God. Without him, we can do nothing. Remember, he is the creator who makes something out of nothing. So he can make something out of our nothingness. Right? Yeah. That is why St. Augustine prayed, Yes, Lord, without you nothing. With you, everything. Remember that one. With, without you, Lord, nothing, but with you, everything. Now, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, I love this story. This is an amazing story. Put your seatbelt on. She was invited to Russia. She had always wanted to go to Russia. You remember that, everybody? And she couldn't get in. But finally, she received this, this uh, humanitarian award. She was reluctantly accepting it, not because she was looking for human praise or worldly honors, but she had tried 
for years to open a house, a missionary charity in Russia, and could never obtain permission from the communist government. Well, I, I can tell you why they didn't want her in. Woo! She thought God was opening a door with the invitation. So she went to Moscow, where the Soviets held this lavish ceremony for her. Oh my gosh, this is my fa- one of my favorite stories. With world news organizations present, Mother Teresa gave her an acceptance speech. She noticed during her lecture that the communist interpreter was deliberately mistranslating her words. Hate when that happens. <laughs> he was turning her words into an attack on the United States and Western capitalism and imperialism and warmongering. Mother Teresa stopped her speech, walked across the stage. Can you imagine this little four foot eleven woman? <laughs> she told him, Stop, stop. This is not what I said. Either you translate my words correctly, or I will walk out of here. I'll leave here now, and this will be over. He got the message. She went back to the podium to finish her speech. When it was all over, one of her sisters asked, Mother, Mother, how did you know you don't speak Russian? The mother replied, No, I don't speak Russian, but the Holy Spirit does. My gosh, can you picture that story, folks? What a great, great story. Let's consider now the questions for pride and timidity. Do I compare myself to others? This is an examination. Bible with the barbers. Does human respect guide my daily actions? In other words, do I put my finger up and say, which way is the wind blowing? I'm going to go with that. One day I'm going to say something like, uh, you know, this is a sin. And then a couple years later, I changed my mind and say, now it's not a sin. Uh, No, you can't do that. Do I worry about what people are thinking about me? I hope not. This is one of the problems in our church, in my opinion. Those two questions. Does human respect guide my daily actions? Do I worry about what people are thinking about me? If you answer yes to these questions, then the pride of timidity is one of your areas of struggle. I'd say it's a struggle for all of us. Now, the third type of pride is sensibility, which is wounding, wounded self-love. A person with this type of pride is suspicious of everything that is said. A harmless joke is taken as a personal attack. I've met people like that. Oh, yeah. Yep, it's amazing. People have to understand that, that the imagination runs wild when making one think that others are willfully hurting them. This type of pride, you know, is really a, a not a good one. So I would, I would say that's unfortunate for sure. Now, the fourth type of pride is the pride of vanity. We've heard about that. Vanity of vanities from the Bible. We long to be praised, to be honored, to be brought, to be thought well of. 
We can even be vain about the way we practice our faith, criticizing others for how they practice virtue or their lack of virtue. This pride likes to show off or brag whether it is in appearance, possession, or talents. The best way to nip these types of pride is to recall that everything we are, everything that we have, it comes from God, of course. That's the bottom line. We have nothing to do with the color of our eyes. Think about it. God decided that. Our talents, our knowledge, possessions, each is a gift from God which can be taken away in a moment. An example of this type of pride can be seen in many talk show hosts. Yes, many times they refuse to allow their guest to complete a sentence or a thought. They rudely break in to bring attention back to themselves and to their intellectual brilliance. If the guest continues speaking, they simply shout over the guest. <coughs> a writer for the Wall Street Journal criticized a couple of Catholic commentators when he wrote, he loves the sound of his own voice. You've heard that line. <clears throat> they shout down someone with their, who they disagree. Again, vanity of vanity. Another example of the type of pride was a mother who rigged the test results of her six-year-old son so he would be classified a genius. I can see that happening. She not only had him memorize the answers to the test, but she altered the test scores. The mother finally confessed that what she did only after her son, now eight, attempted to commit suicide. Wow! If you haven't done so yet, now is the time to take off the bragging bumper sticker about your honor student. I love it! That's, I didn't, yeah, I, I mean... I had some pretty smart kids that, you know, were um, better than 4.0. Uh, yes, I said I acknowledged it to her. But, you know, I didn't put a sticker on my car to say, hey, I got a college graduate who's super smart. Yeah, it talks, it exceeds the demand. This type of pride can lead to, yes, spiritual suicide. Prideful people commit suicide because of losing a cooking competition, Right? This is what happens. Now, I want to shift gears, if I can, with you, because I want to uh, give some saints what they have to say about humility that I thought I picked some out of the ones I like with St. Augustine. This is, a, a, I think, a very appropriate one. He says, If you ask me what is the essential thing in religion and discipline of Jesus Christ, I shall reply... This is a classic answer. Maybe you've heard it already, but I thought it would be good to repeat it. He says, first, humility. Second, humility. And third, humility. <laughs> he says, pride changes angels into devils. Remember the, the bad devils I will not serve? That was a prideful statement. When pride has crept into a servant of God, Straight, straight away envy is to be found there too. The proud person cannot help being envious. Now, here's some great saints. And I think that this is something we need to get back to. Uh, the 
the lives of the saints. They have so much wisdom for us. St. Jerome, he said, has much to say about the vice of pride. He says, the pride are God's enemies. God resists, resists the pride, but gives grace to the humble. The devil is the prince of the pride. Lest he be puffed up with pride, says the Holy Scripture, and incur the condemnation passed on the devil for everyone who glorifies himself in his heart is a partner to the devil. Another one, St. Gregory, explains, he who seeks to gain virtue without humility, <laughs> he gives this analogy, is like one carrying a little dust or ashes in his teeth of the wind, and it's all scattered, it's all blown away by the storm. St. Thomas More, great saint, wouldn't compromise against the faith. He just, nope, Christ is my life. He says, Christ, the commander, teaches us by his own example that his soldier should not should take humility at his starting point. One great saint, St. Peter Julian Emard, who's the great saint for the Holy Eucharist, says, Virtues, even the most lovable, such as meekness and humility, are very difficult and naturally for us to practice. It's not easy to be meek under the insult. And I understand very well why the world without faith finds Christ's virtue disheartening. You notice he says, without faith. You're listening to the Bible with the barbers, talking about the Bible with humility, what with humility and why it's important in our life. Stay with us, family. We'll be back at, right after a quick break. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Mary Danielle's on a silent retreat for four days. I'm filling in for her. And we're talking about humility and what the Bible has to say and what the fathers of the church have to say, the desert fathers. Oh, I can get that. But I want to give a kudos to St. John Paul II the Great what he has to say about humility. He says, this reminds us that God lets himself be conquered by the humble. He rejects the arrogance of the proud. God brings down the dust of the earth, those who defy heaven with their pride. In a Wednesday audience back in the 1980s, he said, superficially and socially climbing do not constitute real good men in society. He quoted St. Paul. Holy Father said that the kingdom of God is effectively prepared by people who carry out their work seriously and honestly, not aspiring to things that are too high, but turning in the daily faithfulness to those who are lowly. The mentality of the world pushes one to stand out Get ahead with what? Shrewdness and without scruples. Asserting oneself and one's own interest. The consequences can be seen by all. Rivalries, abuses, frustrations. The kingdom of God, on the contrary, rewards meekness and humility. The proof of this is Jesus himself. Herein lies the secret 
so that every activity, professional or in the home, may be done in an atmosphere of genuine humility. Thanks to the humble and active contributions of everyone. Now, I like what Pope Benedict XVI had to say. He points out egotism and a genuine love for self are not only identical, but also mutually exclusive. Check this out. He says, it is possible to be a confirmed egotist and at the same time to be at odds with oneself. Benedict XVI says, in fact, egotism is often due to one's own inner strife, to the attempt to be created for oneself, a different I, whereas the proper attitude to one's I grows, I grow spontaneously in an atmosphere of freedom from self to the degree that we seek only for ourselves to realize our own potential and are concerned solely with the success and fulfillment of ours. But boy, I'll tell you, he was a smart man. Many of you have heard of G.K. Chesterton because my wife is always quoting him. And he, may, he, says he maintains that humility is the key to happiness. Who wants to be happy? Be humble. Because as for pride, pride does not go before, it goes before, but pride is the fall. Did you get that? <laughs> I like that. G.K. Chesterton, pride doesn't go before the fall. Pride is the fall. And St. John Vianney, one of the great priests and confessors, he said, I never see what has been done. I only see what remains to be done. In other words, don't dwell on your successes. Oh, I did this last year. I did this there. I did that. Let's talk about what can be done for the future. You know what? That's an attitude of gratitude. That's what that is. And, every, and that's welcome just about everywhere. Now, I love this one because the famous Michelangelo said when he completed his masterpiece, he would say, I'm still learning. I don't know if you saw but Socrates said, when they said, well, you're such a smart guy. Wow, Socrates, how do you do it? He says, well, if I'm smart, it's because I know I know nothing. I'm still learning. And Michelangelo picked up on that. Now I'm going to give you what servant of God, Archbishop Sheen, teaches. Through faith is a gift of God, and through God will give it to those who ask for it. This is one way very human obstacles while moral minds do not receive it and that is pride pride is the most common sin of the modern world i agree bishop sheen and yet the one in which the modern world is never conscious of you have heard people say oh yeah i like to drink too much oh yeah or i'm a quick temper oh yeah but did you ever hear anyone say i'm conceited <laughs> God bless Bishop Sheen. He says, pride is the exaltation of self as an absolute standard of truth, goodness, and morality. It judges everything by itself, and for that reason, everyone else is a rival, particularly God. Pride makes it impossible to know God. I'll repeat that. Pride makes it impossible to know God. 
That's what I think why so few people want to come to God because their pride gets in the way. If I knew everything, then not even God can teach me anything. If I am filled with myself, then there is no place for God. Like the inns of Bethlehem, we say to the divine Savior, there is no room. Wow. Wow. Now I'm going to share some Desert Fathers comments because we just have a few minutes left. A brother asked an old man saying, what's humility? He replied, it's when your brother sins against you and you forgave him before he comes to ask for forgiveness. Oh, I thought that was such a great story. I love it. The old man used to say, when we do not experience warfare, we ought so much the more to humiliate ourselves. For God, seeing our weakness, protects us when we glorify ourselves. He withdraws his protection and we are lost. The devil appears to a brother disguised as an angel of light and says to him, I am Gabriel, and I have been sent to you. I love this brother's line. Brother says to him, See if it is not someone else to whom you have been sent. As for me, I am not worthy for it. And immediately the devil vanished. Have you ever heard that story? That's from the Desert Fathers. They can teach us a lot. An old man said, If you have acquired the virtue of silence, do not consider yourself as gaining a a virtue, but say, I am unworthy to speak. That was taken from Father John Harden. So I just want to bring up this, that humility is such a powerful virtue. St. Peter Emmerich taught that there were two motives and two ways to practice humility. One comes from the relationship of our sinfulness and the other comes from the love of Jesus Christ. The first type is a negative humility. The second is positive. Both types are found in the humility of mind and the humility of the heart. To live the virtue of humility, learn to imitate Jesus Christ. Jesus being God knew all things, yet never boasted or bragged or even indicated that he knew it all. He never sought to shine the past for for a genuine or to seem better informed than others. Yep. I want to close on this. And this is a, a very, I won't get to it all, but many of you, I hope, have gone on and they retreat with the St. Ignatius spiritual exercises. I hope you have. If you haven't, I would recommend it. I've been on many of them, and they've been very efficacious for me and my wife. But St. Ignatius of Loyola, in his spiritual exercises, explains three types of humility in even more depth. I'll just be real quick. The first kind of humility, he says, sufficient humility. This is necessary for salvation. It consists that as far as possible... I I so subject and humble myself as to obey the laws of God in all things, so not even if I were king of all creation, or to save my life here on earth. Would I consent to violate a commandment 
whether divine or human, that binds me under the pain of mortal sin. Wow. The second one he calls abundant humility. This is more perfect than the first. And the third one is superabundant ability. Now, St. Francis de Sales, another great saint, in his introduction to devout life, talks quite a bit, and I would recommend that book for anyone listening, The Introduction to Devout Life. We have it on, we put it on cassette tape maybe 30 or 40 years ago, and you can download it by going to catholicrc.org, and uh, that's a classic. I'll name a couple other classics, Abandonment to Divine Providence by Pierre de Cassade. We have that one on cassette, or now it's on a download. Um, The Introduction to Devout Life, for anyone, uh, should really take that as, uh, if you don't have a spiritual director, which not many of us can get, because there's only so many priests and holy people we could go to, I would consider taking the Introduction to Devout Life as a source for you to really study your faith and get advice from that book. Also, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis that we did, I think, a show with Matt Arnold last week on. Great book. And there's another one called Soul of the Apostolate by Tam Books. And that's another book that helps you in your apostolic work. I was made known about these books when I was a teenager and now I'm 67 years old and I'm still promoting them. Why? Because they're, they're, they're beautiful. They give people great advice. And I hope this hour with the Bible of Barbers, we could talk about humility. If you want this little book that I'm reading from, it's called How to Be Somebody. Just call us at 877-526-2151. You want to make a donation, great. If you can't, that's all right, too. But it's something that I would carry in my pocket for years. And when I would make a a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, I would read it because it was so beautiful. And this is something that we all need. We need scripture. We need the saints to inspire to us to get closer to Jesus Christ. Stay with us. Uh, We're going to have a show, the Terry and Jesse show, and a book called Persecuted from Within, How the Saints Endured Crises in the Church by Joshua Charles, a good friend of ours. He'll be on with us on the Terry and Jesse show. You won't want to miss it because this book gives you inspiration to realize that. God love you. Thanks for coming, and may God richly bless you. I figure that, there you go, 15 seconds. God bless you, and thanks again for joining us on The Bible with the Barbers on Virgin, most powerful radio. God love you.